If you had a Bible, and you do, because there's some on the windowsills. Uh, yeah, if you, if you don't have a Bible, grab one of the window things. Just jump up and grab one. Um, pass those out to folks. If you have one on your phone or whatever, that's fine too. Uh, I just trust you with it, so don't do whatever else you do. So uh, Romans, that's where you're going to be tonight. Romans chapter 7. We'll all turn there together. Romans chapter 7. For those of us in the room who are believers, who uh, actually believe uh, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and died on the cross to pay for my sins, those of us who believe that, and not just believe it, but who have trusted it, put, it our, put our faith in it, trusted our eternity to it, for those of us in the room who have that, we, we understand that that commitment that we've made to Jesus changes everything for us. That it's not just a, it's not just a, um, some sort of like prayer you pray or a box you check and it's, it's done. It changes your entire way of life. That as, as Christians, as believers, those who have placed their faith in Jesus, that we live differently because of that. That we live a life that's trying to bring as much honor and glory to God as possible. We don't just accept the, the gift of grace from the cross like, and just move on. We, we also accept the lordship of Jesus because he bought us with his life. He bought us back from death with his death. So he's now the Lord of my life. He directs my steps. And so I've been called to live a different kind of life because of my commitment to Jesus. And a lot of you guys have made that same commitment. So you've been called to live this different kind of life as well, this honor and glory-filled life. And we get that, and we understand that that's our target. We, we know that there's this, this, this goal, this, this aspiration of a kind of life that brings honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ, and we're going to try to live that kind of life. We understand the target. And so what we do, we plant our feet on that target, we're ready. We got our feet locked in, we're set. And come what may, we make this commitment that we're going to do everything we can to keep our feet right there on the target of the kind of life that brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus. And then temptation comes. And no matter how locked in you're in, you're with your feet, man, when temptation locks hands with you and starts tugging, it gets a little squirrely sometimes. Doesn't that drive you nuts? Like, just temptation in and of itself, that it, that it exists and that, that my feet sometimes slip, that makes me just, I mean, it drives me nuts. I, I, sometimes I'm not even, I, I remember struggling so hard with why temptation had to even be a thing. Why can't I just get beyond this? Why is this, is this thing still a struggle? I, I feel like I probably should have grown past this thing now, maybe onto some other thing, but surely I can get past this one temptation that just won't let go of me. I've made this commitment to this kind of life I'm going to lead. I want to lead it. And then every time this temptation comes up, my feet slip out from under me. It's a cycle that all of us as believers go through. Struggling with the commitment we've made to Christ and the reality of temptation leading to sin that battles against us. It's incredibly frustrating. And it's a frustration that's not going to be solved this side of heaven. So if it's something that we're going to have to live with, then it's something we need to know very intimately. We, understand, we need to understand what we're up against, and we also need to know what to do about it. So the next, this week and next week, we're doing a little, short little series called Tempted. This week, we're focusing in on what temptation is, understanding what you're up against. That's what I want you to walk away with, understanding what you're up against tonight. 
Next week, we're going to get real practical and try to find some ways to overcome some things. All right? That's where we're going. So, Romans, beginning in verse, uh, chapter 7, beginning in verse 14. I'm going to read the whole long passage to you, and uh, then we're going to go back, and we're going to take it apart. Okay? So Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse, 10, verse 14, that's where you need to be. That's what it says. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. I don't understand my own actions. For I don't want to, <laughs> we're about to get into this. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Does that sound like you? I don't do what I want, I do the very thing I hate. Right Now, if I do what I don't want, <laughs> I agree with the law that it's good, so that now it's no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that's, that's in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, It's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see my members, another law, waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Did you get all that? I love the complexity of the way that verses, uh, those, those verses are written. Because what he's talking about is the struggle between the commitment we've made to Christ and the reality of temptation and sin that wars against us. And it's messy, and it's complicated, and it's just, it's just a mess. And those verses are kind of a mess. I love the way that is, like, even the way it's written, it, it reflects so accurately the way I feel about temptation in my own life. I want to do this, but I, I end up doing this, and I hate this thing, but I, I, that's, I, but I do it anyway. And, but I, the thing I want to do and I love, I, just, I, can't, I can't get around to it. I just can't figure it out. I mean, that's exactly what it feels like in my head. So what we're going to do, just because it's also the Word of God, it's full of truth, it's not just a mess— we're going to go back through it kind of slow and take it apart and see exactly what Paul's trying to say here. So Paul's the writer of Romans. I wrote most of the New Testament, um, like the preeminent of the apostles. He's just an incredible guy. And what he's saying in these verses, what we're going to see is that, that the same as you struggle with temptation and falling to temptation, so did he. And that it's not hopeless. All right? So let's go back up to verse 14. Let's start up there. Romans chapter 7, verse 14 he begins, he says, I'm of the flesh, sold under sin. All right? I'm of the flesh, sold under sin. So here's the, here's the truth of this passage. Your mind, like what's going on in your, your mind and heart, your will, like what you want to do, that is not like the only thing inside of you battling for control. Okay? What's your, your will, like what I, what I want to do with my life or with my actions or with my words What's going on in my mind and my heart is not the only thing that's vying for control inside of me. There's also this other part of me that I was born with that's just like kind of the carnal side of me that has like these, its own version of its own instincts and its own urges and its own desires. And those don't go away when you become a Christian. 
You just add this other part, this, this God-centered, this God-honoring part. So now you've got this part that was there before that has its own urges and desires and wants and whatever. And you had this God-honoring aspect and they're both fighting for control. So inside of me, inside of you, you have multiple things trying to, trying to direct your path. So he says, I'm under the flesh, sold or I'm, I'm of the flesh sold under sin. So there's a part of us that is not fixed this side of heaven. So that sinful side of you, man, it's still in there. It hasn't gone anywhere. That's what you're up against. Part of you that can't be taught, that can't be changed. It's just it's there. It's in you. In verse 15, he keeps going. He says, I don't understand my own actions. For I, do not, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Don't you feel like you could have written that? I don't understand my own actions. I don't do what I want. I do the very thing I hate doing. There's some stuff that, as a Christian, I, I, I know that does not honor God in my life. And I hate that stuff, man. It's not something I want to be associated with. I don't want anything to do with it. I never want that to be characterized as, as who I am or what I'm a part of. I hate that stuff. And then... I slip right back into it. And I don't understand. I don't, I don't like, hey, <laughs> I made a commitment when I was eight years old to be different. I've been living my life for this thing. I'm, I mean, I, I, I stand up on a stage and talk to 200 teenagers a week. Like, this is not what I'm about. I don't understand why I can't get past some of this stuff. I don't understand. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I hate doing. Those are the things I, think I end up doing. Every one of us can write those verses. I mean, that's, that's absolutely true of every single one of us who is struggling to live a life that honors and glorifies God. I don't understand my own actions for I don't do what I want. I do the very thing I hate. You're all there. You're there right now. Today you did that. Today there was stuff that you hated doing and you're not sure why in the world you did that and why those words came out of your mouth the way they did and why that attitude of yours is so biting and why that sin is so ever present in your life. And you're like, I don't understand. I don't know where to, I don't know how to get past what in the world, dude? Like, what is happening? Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament, is right there with the, he wrote the word, words 2,000 years ago, and we're still struggling with it. Then he goes to verse 18. I love this one. For I know nothing good dwells in me. That, that, that is in my flesh. That's that whole pre-Jesus part, that sinful part of us. I know nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Do you have the desire to do what's right? I think most of you in the room do, even those of you who hardly ever do. <laughs> I think you have the desire to. We open the doors because I think the air conditioners are busted, so there's just like trucks and stuff driving by. They'll be fine. They're not going to come through the doors, I hope. And if they do, you know, Brandon Bradley will stop it um, with his muscles. <laughs> um, so that, so I, I know nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. You don't have the ability to carry out the good that you want to do. By yourself, upon your own will and your strength, even Bradley Bradley with the, with, the, with the guns, like in your own strength, you do not have the ability or the will to carry out the good that you want to do. You just don't. You're going to fail. Your feet are going to slip. You can lock your feet in on that target as hard as you want, and temptation is going to come, and you're going to slip sometimes. You will be unable to carry out the lifestyle that you want to lead in the name of Jesus by yourself. You certainly will do it. You will always struggle against this. 
You will always have failures. That is the reality that we live in, that we cannot do this on our own. Have desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. And then 21, he says, he brings it all together, 21. I love this. He says, so I find it to be a law. All right? I, he's like, I've discovered this law inside of myself, all right? It's a law. It's not a, not a hypothesis. It's a, there's a law about what's going on inside of me. That when I want to do right, when I have this, when I'm, you know, sometimes maybe you came out of a retreat or come out of a greenhouse or you had a really great quiet time that morning or something, and you have the desire to do what is right that day. I have the desire to, I mean, I, God, I'm going to live a life at least for the next 20 minutes that brings as much honor and glory to your name as possible. I'm, that, I, that's what I want for myself, so help me to do that. And so you take a step out. It says, when I have a, found this law to be true, that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Doesn't that just make you sick? That like the times when you really want to dig into your faith, when you really want to live this thing out, you really want to have impact, that there's this law that just seems to be the case. That there's, when you want it that bad, you're really going to try for once. You're going to try to break past some stuff. Evil's right there next to you. It's almost like, it's almost like there's, there's internal forces inside of us and there's also external forces that just, hey, he's really trying right now. She's really, she's really got it on her. She's, she's going to try to take some steps forward. We got turned up. We got to get some temptation packed around there so she doesn't actually move forward. He says, I find it to be a law that when I, when I really want to do what's right, evil's close at hand. Since we have inside of us um, what God's word kind of, well, I guess we in the church refer to as, as sin nature. There's a, there's a natural side of us, kind of the side of us that we are born with that has a propensity to sin. That is a yeah, propensity. How do I, junior high. Um, wants to. That's, how you, that's what that word means, right? There's a side of us. There's, there's something inside of each one of you and, and me as well that there's, there's a part of us that wants to sin. That's what comes natural to us. That's what comes most easily. We're just, that's what it does. It's messed up. There's a part of you that's jacked up and always will be. There's, a, there's something inside of you that does not, has not, and will not conform to the image of Jesus, this side of heaven. You have a, you have a nature that has a propensity toward sin inside of you. We all have things that we struggle with because of that. Because that sin nature that's inside of you, because there's always a natural part of you that is given to sin, there's, there's certain things that you are going to struggle with. And they, they'll change over time. They'll shift, they'll move, some stuff will fall off the list, new things will be added to the list. There's always going to be things that you struggle with. They're specific to you. So there's some things that you struggle with that maybe I don't struggle with. You have your own list, I have my own list. We're going to call them, like, we're gonna call them weak areas, or areas of weakness, okay? So each one of us, <laughs> uh, has our own versions of things. So this isn't like a sin area. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. But just, just for me, like, uh, I, know my, I know myself, and I know that an area where, an area I guess I just don't really like about myself, I don't know, is that I, I get addicted to games like that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. So I had to hide. I, my, my family got me a PS3 in, in uh, seminary because I was, like turned into too big of a nerd or something. So they, I don't know. They bought me a PS3 and they gave me some games and I started playing these games. It would not stop. <laughs> it was just 
Like some of you, I would just play all night. I mean, I'd be, it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm still shooting people. I'm like, what am I doing? I got like four tests tomorrow. This is a master's degree. The whole rest of my life depends on this. Anyway, I'm bang, bang, or whatever. All right. So, we, so all, I had to get rid of all, I mean, I've sold the, the PlayStation because I don't know what to do with it. So it sits, it sits on a table in our living room. I don't know where any of my games are. I have no idea. No idea. I think, I don't know if we sold them or what. If we didn't, we probably should. If you know where they are, Jessica, we should sell our games because we'll get some money. That's awesome. I want some money. All right. So we're going to sell some games. It's going to be great. You should check eBay. Uh, but because I, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't do it. It's not a thing. I don't download games on my iPhone anymore because I'll be like at work or in worship or whatever. And I just want to play trivia crack. Just want to play it. Just have to. So I, I had it for a week. I told some of you, God, I'm going to have, my, have this for a week. And Friday, I'm deleting it. And Friday, I deleted it because I played it constantly on Thursday. I just, I can't do this stuff. So there's, that's a thing about me that's specific to me. And I know some of you are with me. And but that's, I'm not saying that that's a huge sin area or something, but it, 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 my point is this, that there's specific areas of weakness that you have that maybe I don't have. Maybe you don't get super addicted to games or something. You've got your own area of, of thing about you. But when it comes to sin, there's stuff that you struggle with that maybe other people don't struggle with as much. All right, so let's run through a list. Is that cool? Some of you, cheating is a huge deal for you. Like you just have this overwhelming temptation inside of you to cheat, even when you know the stuff, like just because you can't, like it's just fun or something. You get some adrenaline out of cheating in school and it's just, you just want to. They'll find you ways to cheat. I don't know if you're bored or what, but that's a thing for you. Like, that's a thing that you struggle. Some of you don't even struggle against. You're like, I cheat. What? (laughs) I mean, you don't even try to hide it. It's just a part of who you are. That was me like in middle school, man. I I just, that was something that, that had a hold of me. I just was cheating on everything. I didn't learn anything in middle school except how to cheat, which isn't that helpful. Some of you, some of you, it's anger that there's just this, sometimes you just, Something inside of you just wants to lash out with this, like, flaming tongue of mean. And you don't know why you want to just verbally, just, like, assault somebody. <laughs> because, like, nothing happened to you. Like, you didn't get pinched by a leprechaun or something. Like, nothing, happened, nothing bad happened to you that day, but you just want to destroy some people. Mama walks in the door, asks how your day was, and there's just like, <laughs> you know? She's trying about to make you some Pop-Tarts. Like, what are you doing? Chill out. You know, and you don't know where that comes from. Like nothing's happened to you, but there's this anger that just like forces out of yourself. And that's a thing for you. Maybe you're struggling against it. Maybe you're not. But I know that there's sometimes when you say some stuff to some people and you hear it, you know, that moment when you finally hear it, you're like, what am I doing? I got to cut that out. Like, and then the next time it happens again, it's like, oh gosh, I did it again. That's this passage. That's that anger that just wells up out of you. For some of you, it's lying. Same thing, man. Like, just for, I'm great at lying. This is a big one for me. Like, middle school, high school, now. Just kidding. Um, I'm kind of getting past it. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, I'm good. We're good. You wouldn't know if I wasn't. <laughs> um, for some of you, you know, like, somebody's telling a story, and just with, without thinking, without, without hesitation, you're just straight making something up. You're just one up in somebody with a complete fabrication and feel great about it. And they're like laughing at your hilarious story that's not true. And you're like, <laughs> I'm hilarious. Well, you are. You're also a liar. And you don't, it doesn't bother you at all. I like, mean, you, you'll exaggerate stories. You'll make up stuff completely. 
They'll tell little white lies to keep people happy, even when you really don't need to. Like, it's not helping them. It's not helping you. That it gets to a point for some of you where that temptation to lie comes so quickly, you don't even feel it. And, and really what, what feels most natural to you is lying. For some of you, um, for some of you the, temptation, uh, the temptation of lust has manifested itself and you go in places on the internet or your phone that you don't want anybody to know about. You don't tell anybody about. You've almost become a computer hacker to hide it because the, the temptation to go view pornography has become so strong in your life that you cannot get a hand on it, handle on it. You just can't. It was a temptation and now it's just what comes most naturally. That's just what happens when I come home from school. For some of us, um, I talk to an alarming number of students who have a, a very specific temptation. Uh, they have a very specific temptation that a lot of you don't have and don't understand. You have a very specific temptation with self-harm. And that temptation comes up when you've got a big test coming up or your boyfriend didn't text you back fast enough or your dad just kind of came down on you a little bit too hard and this temptation to self-harm comes up and you want to overcome it and cannot. I talked to so many students that talked to me about that. It's heartbreaking because you want to stop. You want to beat the temptation. You want to say no just one time and beat it. Just win once. I have to sit and look into the faces of teenagers who are like, I cannot get past this. <laughs> I, talked to a, I talked to a good number of students whose stealing is still a thing. It's not just because you need stuff or you're hungry or whatever. It's just, it's fun. It's not like you're driven to it or anything. You're just bored. And there's a temptation to steal, and you just take stuff. Take stuff from other people. Take stuff from stores. It doesn't matter. You just take stuff. There's rarely a retreat goes by where some kid's wallet goes missing for a little while. And we have to make, make an announcement, and the wallet reappears. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that's you. I don't know. I don't know what your deal is. Some of you uh, struggle so hard against sexual activity. If you're in a dating relationship, or a lot of you, even if you're not, man, you, sexual activity is something that you work so hard to protect yourself from, to guard against. And then when that temptation actually shows up, it proves to be incredibly hard to withstand. And some of your feet have been swept out from under you, and you don't know how to recover. You don't know how to come back from that. I don't know what it is about our community specifically, but here, alcohol is a huge deal for teenagers. Starting like in ninth grade. I don't know who in the world is giving alcohol to ninth graders, but they should quit or I'll punch them in the face. All right? or 10th, or 11th, or 12th graders, but you get the picture. And for some of you, man, alcohol is not a struggle. You don't understand that struggle. You're like, dude, that stuff, I hear it tastes like pee, and great. And, um, and so I'm out. 
you know? And it's just not something you ever struggle with. You don't think twice about it. I mean, there's, you're, you've got these other things. You, I mean, you're like screaming at your mom every, every you know, time she comes in the house. But alcohol's not a thing for you. More power to you. That's great. But it is for a whole lot of other people. I talked to middle school students who are drinking already. What are you doing? Talking to high school students, man, that, that every dollar you earn at the Piggly Wiggly or wherever it is you work goes to pay some college kid for alcohol. What are you doing? But it's a temptation for you. And, and, and I've never... No, not never. I've met one teenager out of probably a hundred that I've talked to about alcohol who was like, I don't anything wrong with it. All right, well, let's look at the Bible together. I'll do that for a minute. But like everybody else gets it. They know this is not something they need to be involved in. They, and they, they, they do. They understand this is, this is something that's, that's wrong. I don't need to be involved in this. And, but it's a temptation. And every time that temptation shows up, every time that, te- that text message comes in, say, hey, we're going to make a fire. Every time that temptation comes Keeping your feet planted gets hard. I don't know what your deal is. I don't know what your specific area of weakness is, but I know you've got one. I know you've got a lot of them. I know that I might have hit maybe one on your list, but just right now, as, as you're sitting there looking at me, you can, you, can, you can tick them off. You know what your stuff is. Just, just do that for me. Just in your head... You're not going to tell anybody. You're not going to like write it on an index card or something. Just in your head, where are your weak spots? I'll give you like 15 seconds. You just think, where are your weak spots? So we have something inside of us, this sin nature, that Paul's writing about in, in Romans 7. That we can't really get a hold of. There's internal forces trying to sweep our feet out from under, of it, under us when we're at the stand we've taken in Christ. There's something inside of us, but it gets worse. The reality of temptation in our lives gets worse from there. Not only do you have stuff going on inside of you that's trying to knock you out, you've also stuff going, got stuff going on outside of you. Now, I don't have time to talk about like friends and culture and peer pressure and Lady Gaga or what. I don't care. I don't have time for that right now because... We have three minutes to finish this message, right? So I'm going to talk about one, and it's the biggest. You have a very real enemy who tries to exploit your weaknesses. You have the devil himself. You have Satan. You have a very real present enemy. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a kid's story. You have a real enemy who tries to exploit those weaknesses you just thought of in your head in order to push you away from the relationship with Jesus, the relationship that God created you for. You have a real active enemy exploiting the weaknesses that are inside of you to push you away from relationship with God. That's the reality of it. In uh, 1 Peter 5, 8, terrifying verse, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's what God says you're up against. Your adversary, you have an adversary, by the way, just want you to know, if you didn't know you were up against somebody, you have a real adversary. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The first thing about that is the enemy is real. The second is that he attacks, usually in your area of weakness. So if you're, so he's, he's the imagery of a lion, right? If you ever watched the Discovery Channel, 
You get the, get the lions, right? The lions are hungry, and there's like a bunch of gazelles or something. I'm not real sure what a gazelle is, but I'm pretty sure that's the main food group of lions. The lions are chasing the gazelles. Do they go after like the big, like hoss, like Mac Daddy gazelle? No. Who do they go after? Yeah, little scrawny, little, little scrawny looking sickly dude, right? Little, little, like the little guy in the back. He's going to die. I mean, you can see it immediately when you start watching those videos, right? Every one of us does it. Every, even if you don't say it out loud, I say it out loud. I call it, right? Got the whole herd. You got 10,000 gazelles, right? And the cameras, and there's lions, like, and then they all start running. Everybody starts running. Whoever reacts last dies, right? That one, that one's dead. Get him. Right? That's how it works. They don't go after the Mac Daddy. They don't go after the 400-pound gazelle. They eat them back, right? I watched a video of an octopus eating a shark today. Like, you don't go after the, the big boy. You go after the, the, the weak ones. It's real. Google it. So we have a very real enemy. We have a very real enemy who understands our areas of weakness, the ones you just thought of. Look at me. Stop talking about octopuses. You can get, watch it later. We have a very real enemy who understands your, your areas of weakness and tries to exploit those weaknesses just like actual lions do to take you out. If that doesn't freak you out, I don't know it will. And all your effort, and all your effort to overcome, I want you to know what you're up against. I want you to know that there's, there's something inside of you that's given to sin. And that those areas that where you know are going to be tempted, those are areas where you've got to put as much of your own effort and all the grace and power and strength of the name of Jesus Christ behind it to overcome. And not only do you have what's inside of you, you've also got what's outside of you, the enemy himself. Exploiting your weaknesses, trying to take you down. Paul finishes that passage earlier in verse 24 in Romans chapter 7. He says, uh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? That's how I feel sometimes. When my feet get taken out from under me, whether it's something inside of me, whether it's the enemy using my weaknesses to take me down, whatever. When, some, when, I, when I fall, that's exactly how I feel. I, am, I feel, I'm so, I'm wretched. That's the I only wretched. It's the only word I've got for this. You feel terrible about yourself. And then like, like a cry of hopelessness almost is, is what that sounds like to me. Who will deliver me from this body of death? It's like Paul's saying like, I know what my life smells like. My life smells like death. Sin is on me. I cannot overcome this. I am broken. I am gross. I involve myself in all kinds of terrible things that I know I don't need to be involved in because of the, the name of Jesus that I carry. I smell like death. Who's going to fix all this? Because clearly I can't do it. And then the hope comes. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Just as a reminder, as we, as we close out tonight, tonight was about you understanding what you're up against. Next week's about how to overcome. But I just want to remind you, at the end of this message, we're talking about temptation and sin, about sin falling to temptation. 
I just want to remind you that Jesus is the one who saves. That you are not in the business of trying to earn some favor with God by just living the right life, by making all the right choices. You're, you're still not going to be able to earn a love relationship with God through that. We live a life that's different. We do our best to live a life that honors and glorifies God because of what he's done in us. I just wanted to remind you that Jesus is the one who died on the cross to pay for all that stuff you're thinking about, to pay for all those failures, to forgive for all that's been broken, and to put you back together again. I want to remind you that if you're a Christian in the room tonight, that your past, present, and future sins were paid for on that cross, and they're no longer your own. You're not trying to live differently to earn favor with God. You live differently because of what he's done in you. And I also want to tell you this, man, if you're not a Christian, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, maybe you believe there's a God and you've never, tr- but you've never trusted him like we've been talking about tonight. That whole trusting for faith and grace and cross stuff kind of just, that's where you blur out. If you've never trusted Jesus to, to pay for your sin, please talk to somebody about how to do that before you leave. In a minute, you're about to go to small groups, and there's going to be some adults in there. They would love to talk to you about that. The friend who brought you would love to talk to you about that. I would love to talk to you. I'm going to be, I hang out for 15 minutes sitting right here. So if, if I can talk to you, I'd love to talk to you about that. You can be free from your sin. You can be forgiven. But only through Jesus, not through your effort. I want to pray for you, and then you go into small groups. Father, uh, the reality of our failures makes us sick. The struggle that we engage in every time we get out of bed in the morning to live the kind of life that you've called us to is incredibly difficult. God, we got to know what we're up against. Both inside ourselves and outside of us, we got to know what we're up against. So, Father, I pray. I pray that the knowledge of... <laughs> the knowledge of the stakes... And the knowledge of the, the battle that we are in would wake us up. To wake us up to the realities of what you've called us to and how difficult it actually is to live out. God help us. It's your son's name I pray. Amen. Go to your small groups.